1: Welcome to Healing Your Family Legacy, here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Innovative, evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, Episode 105, Regrets, Part 3. And now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley.
2: And this is Dr. Donna Bevanley. Welcome to my podcast, Life on Life's Terms. A lot of what I'm going to talk about from here on out really is about life on life's terms because that is, you know, kind of, that is part of our regrets, right? It's like we rue the fact that we didn't, you know, do X, Y, or Z, like maybe have a family or go to school or <laughs> or not argue with that police officer or whatever, right? It's like, we wish we hadn't done that or we wish we had done something else. And, you know, that is life on life's terms. Once the behavior has happened, you can either get stuck in wishing you had done this or hadn't done that, uh, or you can realize that, Everything we do or don't do, say or don't say is just our life and it's on its own terms. We don't have control over the consequences. We don't. Our behavior, what we say, what we do has its own consequences. Even some of our thoughts has consequences. If you go to bed at night angry about something okay say say you've been angry all day because oh the newspaper didn't come right so you were angry about that and you wish that you had had that newspaper and you are still angry at night and then your brain starts you know going about i can't believe they did that blah 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 blah. so now the consequence of that behavior is that you can't go to sleep because you're still ruminating about it. And when you're able to get back to the reality that life on life's terms happens and our goal or my goal for myself and for you is that we can come to grips with that. We can know that that's just life on life's terms. Everything happens. The consequences are something we have no control over But we have to deal with. Okay. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm on a hike and this has happened before, I remember, and I probably mentioned this because it's happened, it happened last year. Um, on November 30th, I pulled my calf muscle, which laid me up for two months. I couldn't walk on that leg because it was pulled that calf muscle was pulled. So I remember seeing, as I was walking along on flat ground that didn't have ice on it because that's November 30th and there was no snow up in the mountains yet. Um, but as I was walking along on flat ground, I there was a tree that had fallen over onto the trail. And I stopped for maybe a nanosecond, and I just thought, well, I'll just move that tree a little bit, so people behind me won't have to deal with it, because it had, you know, twigs and all this, so if you tried to go over it, you could scratch yourself, you could fall down, you could, you know, so I went to move it, but instead of thinking about, okay, what's the best way to move this tree, so I don't hurt myself, which is, absolutely imperative when you're my age, instead of doing it that way, I decided to just kind of move it with my leg. And when I did that, somehow I tweaked it, and that was what caused my calf muscle to be pulled. Now, when I tell the story, I usually say, I was just walking along a flat ground and You know, my calf muscle got pulled. And yeah, that's true because I've done that before. You know, a twig is laying on the on the trail or whatever. And I'll just kick it out of the way. I'll just move it out of the way. And this turns out that this twig or this branch was too big for my small leg, even though it's very muscular because it walks a lot and hikes a lot and does all those things a lot too big. I couldn't move it. And so as a result, the consequence of trying to move that piece of wood or that limb with my leg was that I was laid up for two two months. And, you know, at first I cussed myself out a little bit because I thought, why didn't I just pick it up and slide it over? That's me regretting my my behavior. Oh, I regret not doing that. I knew it the second that I felt that tear happen. I felt it. And I thought, that just can't be good. And it wasn't. But then I thought, okay, I don't know how bad this is, but I had three miles to get out in order to do that. And it hurt. (laughs) I was, you know in pain a little bit, going back to the trailhead for three miles. But I did it. And I went to the doctor, same day. And he said, my God, you pulled your calf muscle. (laughs) I can feel it moving. I said, oh, that's really good. He said, well, okay, you can't walk on this. You have to ride one of those, you know, you see people all the time who've had problems with their feet or their leg. They ride around on this thing that you put your leg up on. Think scooter, the scooter type thing. He so says you got to use that for at least eight weeks. Now, most of you don't know me, and even if you do, you don't know that sitting for me isn't a thing. Really, I I really need to be moving. My body likes it. I like it. I feel better, and you know, I just feel like I have a lot of energy. So I knew this was going to be hard. And, you know, and I thought, if only, which is a regret, right? If only I had picked that up instead of trying to move it with my leg, I wouldn't be sitting here for eight weeks. And then I thought to myself, okay, I found that if if I can't move for eight weeks, I can think about what to do about that in the future. Like, if I can, what can I do to make sure that doesn't happen to me again? And I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to be, you know, laid up for life, just eight weeks. And yeah, eight weeks is different for me at my age than when I was 24. Um, it's a shorter period of time for me than it was when I was 24. So I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to walk. But then I thought, what do I want to do differently? You know, I could have gotten into that thing where, you stupid idiot, that was the dumbest thing. And then I could have just been angry every day and fretting every day and not wanting anybody to tell me about all the fun they were having every day. I just said to myself, Well, that is a learning opportunity. What do I need to learn from that? And what I needed to learn from that was that I can't kick things out of the way. And I even took it a step farther and thought, and if I'm going to pick up a limb or anything else that's in the way, I can make that decision in the moment. But before I just do it, I need to think about it. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. When you're trying to change your behavior, it's on you. It's not on everybody else. But the best way to do it is to take a minute. Breathe. Think. If Even if it's just for 15 seconds, think about, okay, how am I going to do this? What is the best way? What are the potential consequences? Knowing that I don't know what the consequences will be. Nobody ever knows. But you can think about it. It's like, okay, I could just leave the limb there and let people, someone else move it or, you know, go around it or whatever. I couldn't go around it. But I could think about that. But, you know, then I could say, well, I know how to pick things up. I have a grandson. (laughs) that is a big boy, and when I pick him up, I have to be real careful not to use my back to pick him up. You know, I have to do what I do when I'm exercising, and that is engage your core (laughs) and stoop down with your legs to pick him up. Don't bend over. Okay, so I know how to pick things up. And that's what, you know, when you, those are regrets that people have all the time. Why did I do that? I can't believe I did that. Or why didn't I do this? You know, I worked with, uh I've worked with several thousands of people over the years. And I, you know, I remember one day, this guy came in my office. He was out of control. He was so upset. And he just said, he sat down and he goes, I did something and told on myself. Why did I do that? Because his life changed dramatically after that, dramatically. And I said, well, I don't know why you did that. But, you know, we we explored that a little bit. And he, he kind of came to the reality that, if he hadn't have told on himself, because he's an addict, he might have continued and then really done some damage somewhere to him and others. And so when he was busted, he, instead of saying, you know, I'm not talking to you with that lawyer, <laughs> he said, I did it. I did it. It was me. I'm sorry. La, la, la. They don't care. If you've broken the law, you've broken the law. And unless, of course, we're a person of color, most of us. When we get busted for something, it's like, we aren't going to talk ourselves out of it. It's like, if we've broken the law, we've got to deal with it. But most of us won't get killed for it. Um, unless I said, of course, unless we're a person of color or gay, uh, if you, uh, if you have done something, then you know, when you get busted for it, most of us, if we've gotten busted for it, it's because we've probably done something that is against the law or could be harmful to others. And I would say, like I said to this man, what are you going to do in the future to make sure that not that you didn't, that you don't get busted for this again, because It's not good behavior, and you see now that there are consequences. Let's say, what can I do different in the future? Maybe I can deal with this addiction I have and so that I'm not doing it anymore. And I'll tell you, I don't know. I I think I'll only know maybe in my life, and I'm pretty old, so I've known a lot of people in my life. I've probably only known two people who were addicted to something that just stopped. And it was amazing that they could. I mean, they just said, oh, this is bad. I got some new information based on the consequences of my behavior, and I think I'll stop that. And they did, even though I knew they were full-blown addicts, most addicts cannot just stop. They need help. They need, you know, therapy. They need to work with somebody who understands addiction. They need maybe treatment in a treatment facility. They need a 12-step program, whatever works for them to help them stop that behavior. And that's why I told this man, I said, what are you going to do to make sure this doesn't happen again? And You know, he said, well, I guess I can stop telling on myself. I said, no, I don't think that's a good choice. So let's talk about that. That means that you're inherently saying, I'm going to keep doing that behavior. But the next time you get busted, because there will be one, you're just not going to tell on yourself. You're going to call out for a lawyer. And then you're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to defend yourself. How about saying, yeah, I did it, accept the consequences, move on, and figure out a way that that, you don't do that anymore, not figuring out a way that you can continue to do that and and sneak around or, you know, try and figure out a way that you're not going to have to deal with the consequences. That doesn't make for a good life. And at some point, the consequences will occur that's going to be even worse than what you're dealing with now. And I've just noticed that over the years. Okay, so all you have to do is look at our leaders of our country. Some of them and lying and cheating and doing things in their life that, you know, they get away with, they get away with, they get away with, and then suddenly they don't. Suddenly they've done something that's over the top and they don't get away with it anymore. And that's a, you know. on a big stage. On a small stage, which is our stage, human beings on a daily level, it's like the stage might not be so big, but the consequences will be harmful to you and others. So you can say, okay, I can say, well, I wish I hadn't done that. That's fine. But when you say, and it's everybody's fault but mine, and you know, all of that, then you're just you're you're turning it into a negative. Your brain is going to start just ruminating about it. Your brain's gonna do something. I've said this too. Your brain is going to do something every day. So why not make it something that, okay, today. I'm not going to do that behavior. And if I have to call a hotline, if I have to go to 10, 12-step meeting, if I have to go to treatment or call a therapist, I'm going to do that because I don't want to do that anymore. Those consequences leave me feeling bad about myself. Leave me feeling angry. You know, even if you're a sociopath and the consequences are the thing that upsets you the most, not the behavior. Cause, you know, people who have a moral compass like myself or, you know, other people that I hang out with, it's like they might have a behavior that's harmful to them and or others. People with a moral compass will go, Oh God, you know, that makes me feel so terrible. People with a, you know, who are sociopaths or psychopaths go, Dang, I feel terrible that I got caught. That's like the concept that they might have hurt other people is not there. But I don't care what the consequences, who they harm. If they're harming you in any way, whether or not you care about other people, I say, stop that bad behavior. Then at least you won't have to deal with those consequences. And, you know, I've been very surprised over the years at how many... You know, people don't really care sometimes about their behavior and the impact on others, but they certainly do care about their behavior and the impact on themselves. And I would say, fine. I don't have to live in your brain, but you can start doing something different. Now, you can't just say, I'm not going to do that and have that be the end result, that you'll never do that again. Because, if you've done it once, you've got like neural canals in your brain that says, Oh, if this, if I'm feeling this or if I'm thinking that, now I know what to do. You got to change something. You've got to make different choices. So you can say, well, the next time I feel, say, lonely, instead of acting out with internet pornography, I think I'll, call somebody I know or go on a walk or go to a 12-step meeting or make an extra appointment with my therapist. I Yeah, go buy an ice cream cone. Go walk and buy an ice cream cone. But if you just say, well, I just am not going to do that, so I'm going to sit here and force myself not to do that, That thought gets stronger and stronger and stronger. You're trying to change that. And the way you do it is you just say, well, I did that. Shame on me. I, you know, whether I meant to or not, it's irrelevant. The consequences are relevant. So if I don't want to do that, I need to do something else and I need to not make you know, focus on the negative of this. Focus on the negative, like, you dumb, you know, screwball, you can't get it right. It's like, you can do that. It's not going to help very much. Okay? So what I would say, you know, I I have this really good example of, <laughs> I have this friend. Actually, he's a friend from high school. And so, you know, there are some of us who are still alive. I have this friend from high school and he's fighting cancer. And uh, he's a wonderful writer. I love reading what he writes. But he is going through chemotherapy right now. And it's making him really sick. And he posted a, a picture of himself the other day. Uh... And he had, you know, he was yellow because he's really sick and he's, you know, going through chemotherapy. He didn't look well to begin with, but he had this big, like, scar or scab or thing across his nose. And he said, he said, I really just have to, you know, there's two things I could do. I could just feel sorry for myself. I can laugh at myself. And he said, I'm going through chemotherapy. And I got this scar because I was vomiting into the toilet and the toilet seat fell down and caused this cut on my nose. And he said, and he was sitting there laughing and it was like, and I thought that was pretty funny. And I think that's a better thing to feel than to go, oh, it's another hit. What can I do? Everything's wrong. Even this chemotherapy isn't working and look at my face now, right? So, but his attitude was, he said, now I, now I look like I've been in a boxing match. And he was laughing. He said, it's like, really? And I was thinking about that. I was thinking, let's see, how can you find that to be funny? Well, if you, you know, if you are an alcoholic and you might be vomiting into that, toilet sometime and find that same thing happens to you that the toilet seat falls down and knocks you in the head but the fact that he was in his right mind and was able to find humor in that it's like that is a choice you can choose to say oh and the hits just keep on coming or you can say look at this (laughs) I can't believe this happened but now look at my face. And you know, I I don't hang out on Facebook. I mean, I have a Facebook page, but I don't hang out there because there's really very few things that interest me. What's going on with him does, so I do look at what he's going through every day. And I say, what a guy. He's going to, you know, if anybody can, if, if, if attitude has anything to do with getting well from a thing like cancer, he'll probably do it, but nobody knows, right? Consequences follow. Nobody really knows what's going to happen, but he lives day to day and loves his life. So you see. There is decisions that we, there are decisions that we make every day. And and once we've made that choice about what we think, what we feel, you know, we don't get to make choices about what we think and feel because that just happens. But we can say, oh, there's a thought. I can hang out there in that thought or not. I could say, okay, well, that thought's not going to help me. I think I'll think something else. (laughs) It sounds kind of convoluted, but we do it all day, whether you know it or not. Like when you see a yellow light, you make a choice. No, oh, yellow light. Should I stop or should I go? And we make those choices without knowing the consequences. And sometimes it's okay, and sometimes it's not. But it's good to know that these, you know, our life isn't something that just happens to us. We have, we are active participants in how we do it, how our life goes. Life on life's terms. You know, I'll tell you one more story, which is a you know is a really good example. So I went on a trip to Yellowstone in the winter. It's very cold there in the winter. There's a lot of snow. But no not very many people are there. So I went on this trip to Yellowstone in the winter and it I woke up in the morning it was like twelve below. And I said to myself, Okay, I was planning to do cross country skiing today up here. And, uh, it's 12 below. And I was really, I mean, I went a long way, waited, waited a long time, wanted to do this really just so badly. And I said, well, I know that if I go outside in that, when it's that cold, I could get frostbite in about oh, 15 minutes or something, it wouldn't be good. Even if I cover up my I can't cover up my eyes because I have to go. I have to be able to see. And how much can you warm yourself anyway? And can you really cross-country ski if you got that many clothes on? I mean, that would be hard. And so I thought, well, I'm going to do something that I just, I don't want to do, but I'm going to do it because this is life on life's terms. If I go out there now, I could get seriously injured in my life, in my body. So I stayed in. I went and sat in front of the fireplace. I waited. I decided I'll wait till it's 10 degrees above zero to go out and do that. And I did. And so it wasn't till afternoon that I was able to do that. But okay. You see... I didn't regret that because I knew that my skin would suffer. My eyes could suffer. I would suffer. That would be stupid. I didn't have any regrets about doing that, but I was sad that I had to wait that long, and I was thinking, okay, well, half a day that I don't get to cross-country ski. Okay, well, I'll be able to cross-country ski tomorrow and the next day and the next until winter's over because I didn't suffer some kind of problem because of this so think about that think everything i do has consequences everything i say has consequences i can decide what how to behave every single day all day and i can learn from what from my regrets i can turn them into opportunities for growth So. I'd like to leave you with that, and uh, I'll talk to you again next week.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing Your Family Legacy here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com slash support. Healing Your Family Legacy is copyright 2023, Dr. Donna Bevanley, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.